for uh, at least the foreseeable future, uh, it is my intention for us uh, to as exhaustively as possible consider the prayers that we find in the pages of Scripture, specifically in the New Testament. Um, and I, I want to make a, a case for that tonight, uh, but I, I want us to, to understand how it is Scripture teaches us to pray. The things for which we should ask, and why we should ask them, how we should ask them, and even the, the assurance that we have uh, that our prayers will be heard and answered. Uh, and so we will start on that pathway tonight. And I, I want to do a little survey um, to, to close out the devotional aspect of this evening. Uh, a survey of uh, the prayers that Paul prayed in his letters. But before we get there, I was reading an article <clears throat> this week uh, written by Brad Wheeler. He's a pastor in Arkansas. And he asks and answers an important question. The article is titled, Four Reasons You Should Add a Regular Prayer Service to Your Church Calendar. We're one step ahead of the game. Uh, he, he asks and answers this question. He says, if you could add one thing to your church calendar, what would it be? A women's retreat? Men's breakfast? An evangelism seminar? Community groups? Saturday evening service for the morning challenged? A midweek Bible study? Maybe something with child care? Hello. He says, that's the question I've asked myself time and time again since arriving at my new church last fall. Though many of those suggestions are laudable, I have, alongside our elders, led our body to begin a regular Sunday evening prayer service. Wheeler says, seriously? A prayer service? That sounds old-fashioned and quaint. The kind of things Christians did before the advent of electricity, when life was simpler, churches were smaller, and our children's recreational activities didn't consume our calendars. He goes on to say, it's been met with at least some opposition. I had one member tell me we already pray too much. He felt our prayer times in the morning, Sunday morning, were already too long. They detract from the music team's ability to get into a rhythm and disrupt the worship experience. I've had others suggest it may foster legalism by giving people something else they feel they must do. Others voiced concern that it may hinder community, for some individuals may drop out of their small group in order to attend the corporate prayer meeting. Now he goes on to list his four reasons, and we will eventually get to those. But I, I want us to consider 
what he is saying. He's saying that, that pausing to pray is more important than any activity we could add to the calendar. And, and it may be silly to ask you, who are already here at the prayer gathering, this question, but I wonder if you believe that. Do you believe that our coming together to ask God to act is crucial to the life and health of this church? I hope so. Chances are, if you're here, you, you do believe that. But, but what, I'm, what I'm hoping to consider tonight uh, in the rest of uh, this year, I'm not even sure how long something like what I'm hoping for will take. Um, what I'm hoping, though, is that that belief, the belief that, that coming together to pray is more important than any activity, coming together to ask God to act is crucial to the health of this church, that that belief would drive us to two things. First, It would drive us to invite people into what's happening here. And I think we can invite them in in several ways. One of those ways could be sharing with them the importance and showing them the value by sharing with them the ways that God has answered our prayers. Hopefully there are people that, that you encounter in our body Uh, who ask you to pray for them. And hopefully there are people that you are asking if they would pray for you. You realize that you could, in those moments, respond by saying, I will surely pray for you. And you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to bring it up at our prayer gathering and have more people pray for you. Secondly, though, what if our belief that this time of prayer is crucial to the health of this body shaped what we prayed for? What if we prayed for victory over the sin that we are facing? And that God would instill within us a desire for holiness? What if we prayed for the spiritual battles that we are facing, and together asked God to move on our behalf and in this community. To be sure, we will pray for anything you ask. And I am by no means trying to belittle any physical struggles that you may be going through. Because we can and should pray for those things. But our belief that prayer is crucial to the health of this body should affect even how we pray for those physical things. It's possible the physical struggle you or a loved one is going through is intended by God to rid you or them of of self-reliance. So instead of, even in those moments, instead of asking merely for physical healing, we could ask God that He would help us to be open to what He's doing in this situation. Do you know that prayer is in the DNA of the church? 
That is, apart from prayer, this is a bold claim here, apart from prayer there is no church. Survey the book of Acts. Count how many times they pray. And you may be astounded. And, and I don't, so I, I have, actually I didn't even count them. I've got at least one reference from all of Paul's letters. One, two, three, four. Four references from Acts. And the rest of our time in, in, in this devotional aspect tonight, I'm just going to read those to see what it is the church was praying for and how they were praying about it. Because I, I think if we read these prayers, we will be instructed. And, and these will be the prayers that we will consider in our time together as we go throughout uh, the rest of this year. Acts 2.42 kind of serves as the foundation. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They devoted themselves to all of those things, including prayer. Acts 4.23-31 to The believers pray for boldness. And it says they lifted their voices together to do so. That kind of sounds like a prayer gathering. The church coming together and praying for boldness. And when Peter was in prison, they made earnest prayer for him in Acts 12.5. When Paul sets off for Jerusalem to most likely die, they pray in Acts 21.5. And then we have uh, the assurance that comes from 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 that, that instructs us we can trust that God will hear our prayers. It says, and this is the confidence that we have toward Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. Or consider Paul. Romans 15, 5-6. to this, is, this, this list is by no means exhaustive. But I hopefully it's, it's instructive. Paul prays, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again in Romans 15, in Verse 13, praise may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Or consider 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4-9. through Paul says, I always thank God for you because of His grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in Him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. 
2 Corinthians 13, verses 7 to 9. Paul says, Now we pray that God, now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong. Not that people will see that we have stood the test, but that you will do what is right, even though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. We are glad whenever we are weak, but you are strong. And our prayer is for your perfection. Or a short prayer in Galatians chapter 6, verse 18. Where Paul just simply says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. I, that one comes up in most of Paul's letters. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15-23, to 23, the, the passage we read already this evening. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking God, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious glorious inheritance in the saints, and His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of His mighty strength, which He exerted in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be head over everything for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. Again, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, Paul asks for prayer. He says, pray also for me. That whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the Gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Philippians 1, verses 9 and 11. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Or in Colossians 1, verses 3-14, to we always thank the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the Word of truth, the Gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this Gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, the faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. 
and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. Well, 1 Thessalonians 3, 9-13 How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May He strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all His holy ones. Or 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of His calling and that by His power He may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act, act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of Jesus may be glorified in you and you in Him according to the grace our God, the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 2, an instructive prayer. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good. And pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave Himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. Or 2 Timothy 1, 3-7. He says, I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, the spirit of power and love and self-discipline. Or Titus, a short book with a short prayer. Chapter 3, verse 15, Grace be with you all. Philemon, 4-7, through says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith, so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement 
because you, brother, have refreshed the heart of the saints. And, and that's just a survey of Paul. There are ten other letters in the New Testament to consider. There are even prayers in the Gospel. Uh, we could consider the Lord's Prayer. And, and I, I, I was struck just even in, in, as I was reading those and trimming down the list, trying to decide which ones to include, which ones not to. Do I go on to Hebrews or do I stop at, at Philemon? There's so much that we could learn just by simply looking at, listening to, reading, modeling the prayers that we find in the pages of the New Testament. I'm I'm struck as I as I hear what what Paul is praying for the people that he's writing to, in how much of it he's he's praying that they would be filled with knowledge and understanding of who God is and what He has done for us in Christ. And it seems like from that flows everything else, where that the more they know and love God the more they're able to face whatever the world throws at them. And, and so that, that's my hope. That our, our prayers would be shaped by the prayers that we see in Scripture. That we would take them as a model. Adopt them for ourselves. Maybe even at times in our, in our own prayer lives or here together, pray them word for word so that they just become ingrained within us. And so that our, our prayers to God would be prayers that come from the pages of Scripture. And prayers that, uh, that we are sure God delights to answer. So in our time together at this prayer gathering, that's what I want us to do. Look at these prayers and be taught how to pray. But, but I think not just simply taught how to pray, even instructed in, in how it is that we ask for a prayer request. How it is that we you know, bring up something that, that we're struggling with in our lives. I, I mentioned at the beginning, maybe even praying for, for sin, for victory over sin in our lives. Praying for the spiritual struggles that we're facing. And I think the, the prayers of the New Testament help us even have words to, to go to a brother or sister and say, this is what I need prayer for. I told you I would tell you the four reasons uh, that Brad Wheeler outlines uh, for why gathering to pray with other believers is important. I want to fulfill that promise. He says, firstly, gathering to pray together reminds us of the importance of prayer. I hope one of the things that we come away with from these times is that we need God. And and we express our need to Him in prayer. So one of the reasons it's important to gather together to to pray is because it reminds us of the importance of prayer. That we are not sufficient in and of ourselves. Secondly, it models for others how to pray. 
Think of just the the instruction that could take place here. That if we were to invite young believers and say, just, just listen to the way we pray and pray like that. Jesus' disciples asked Him, can you teach us how to pray? And, and I'm sure that Jesus didn't have to like think on the spot. Okay, well, what should I tell them? I'm sure what we know as the Lord's Prayer is something that, that He had prayed before. It's something that He had uh, taken from the pages of the Old Testament and, and, and had asked His Father for on many, many occasions. And He said, alright, this is how I pray. This is how you should pray. It could model for others how we are to pray. Thirdly, it unites us around God's purposes. And specifically, if we're praying uh, Paul, at one point I read the reference um, where Paul is asking for prayer that he would have boldness to share the Gospel. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, I'm no Paul. I, I'm, I'm not someone who will uh, go into... <laughs> Go regularly go into a synagogue and and from the Old Testament just start preaching the gospel. And yet he's asking that churches would come together and pray for boldness for him. I have never come away from reading an account of Paul in Scripture or a letter of Paul saying, you know, there's just one thing this guy lacks. I think it's boldness. Paul prayed in those ways. And if we're praying for similar things, it unites us around God's purposes. And I think that's a really good thing. And fourthly and finally, gathering together to pray is important because it prepares us for God to act. You've probably heard the cliche, if you pray for rain, you better take an umbrella. if, if we are praying uh, in line with Scripture for our knowledge to increase, for our holiness to increase, for people in our community to come to know the Lord, and, and we are, you know, in line with what James says that we're not, you know, uh, double-minded, then, then as we're praying for those things, we're praying in faith, in trusting God is going to act. That God is going to do what we're asking Him to do because it's in line with what He said He's going to do. And so gathering together to pray prepares us for God to act because we're asking Him to for for our good and for His glory. And I would love for for those four things and just, just become a reality. Uh, in in our prayer time. So when we gather, we remind ourselves and others we need power from outside of ourselves from God. When we gather, we model how to pray and how to pray for one another. When we gather, we're united around God's purposes. When we gather to pray, it prepares God. It prepares us for God to act. I'm eager uh, for those and many other things 
to come from our time together as we pray together. Because it has been a little while, just a reminder of uh, how it is we go about the prayer time of at, at our prayer gathering most often. Um, I'll ask if there's someone who needs prayer for something. Uh, we will hear the request and we will pray for it immediately. Um, and and I've said this before, uh, my desire is is that we would be able to take uh, the requests that are made here tonight and whether it's write them down, remember them, uh, so that we are able to tomorrow, next week, months from now, continue praying for these things. So that means that our, that our actual time of prayer here this evening doesn't need to be hours long. If you want to wake up tomorrow morning and, and pray for someone's request for three hours, you are, you are more than welcome to do that. But our time in prayer tonight, if we have a lot of things to pray for, which I think we probably do, uh, we can be brief and we can take those things from here and continue to pray for them on our own as we go from this place as well. Um, remember, you're not praying to us. If, you, if you're nervous praying in public, uh, this, is, this is probably one of the safest venues for you to do that. Uh, we just simply get to have an ear into what you are asking God to do. And that would encourage us uh, as much as it would benefit the person you're praying for. Uh, so don't feel like you have to try to impress us. Make your request known to God and let us hear you do it. Uh, so then we'll also pray for an elder, a deacon, and a missionary as time allows. Uh, and... Uh, hopefully this is a time that can be beneficial to us as a body and something that will draw us closer to God as we uh, draw close to Him in prayer. So, all of that said, let me pray and then we can spend some time together in prayer. Father, we're so thankful that You have given us Your Word to know You, but also that You have given us... Uh, all of the many different prayers that we read this evening, and, and many others, uh, to instruct us how to pray and what to pray for. Uh, we pray that those would be, um, would be things that we look to uh, in order to guide and direct our prayers as we make our requests known to you. Uh, so be with us as a body. And help us uh, to be even just more... Uh, more Scripture saturated in how we pray uh, so that we would be uh, closer to You <clears throat> and that we would uh, be more conformed to the image of Your Son each and every day. Uh, we're so thankful. We pray this uh, in Jesus' name.